from the One Stone Recording and Mastering Studios in New Brunswick, New Jersey. This is the Weigh In Boxing Podcast with your host, Matt Ward. Welcome to Season 2 of the Weigh In Boxing Podcast. This episode of the Weigh In Boxing Podcast features my interview with Joe Han Jr. of Joe Han Promotions. Joe is president of Joe Han Promotions Incorporated. He has served in this role since 1987 and has guided his family business to become the largest independent TV distributor of closed circuit and pay-per-view programming in the world. The Way In Boxing blog and podcast is brought to you by Bulletproof Products. Support your healthy lifestyle and the Way In Boxing blog and podcast by shopping Bulletproof products. You can click on the link on our website. Without further delay, here is the Way In with Joe Han Jr. Please introduce yourself to my listeners. I'm Joe Han Jr. and I am president of Joe Han Promotions. Joe, let's start off by talking about your family history. Please tell us about your father, Johan Sr.'s involvement with the Cloverlay Corporation and Smoke and Joe Frazier. Well, it's a great question. Um, I love kind of telling the story because it absolutely is the uh, foundation of, uh, of our company and, and uh, you know, what we were built on. So the story goes that, you know, back in the early uh, 19, I'm sorry, late 1960s, my father was a police officer in the city of Philadelphia. Um, while he was working one day, he had a ritual of reading the daily news, and he was reading the paper about um, an article that stated there were a bunch of businessmen that had formed a company called Cloverlay, and the purpose of forming the company was to manage the heavyweight boxing career of, at that time, uh, Olympic gold medal winner Joe Frazier. Um, at that time, there really wasn't a lot of TV money around, and fighters were not getting signed to big bonuses or anything. And these gentlemen kind of saw an opportunity to form this company and to, as my dad called it, have a cocktail stock. <laughs> um, they would get Joe a fight, um, and prior to the fight, on the night of the fight, they'd get together, have a bunch of cocktails big steak dinner, smoke some cigars, and then they're going to go and, you know, root their fighter onto another win. And uh, my dad just really was intrigued by the article. He wrote to one of the principal people, um, and the one of the principal people was a gentleman by the name of Dr. Baldwin. He owned a company called Baldwin Dairies at the time. Very wealthy guy and very successful. And um, he lived on Jackson Street in Philadelphia. Mm. Well, that ironically was the same street that we lived on in, in Philly. It's just that where we lived, it was very much a uh, blue-collar, you know, row home community. And Dr. Baldwin lived on Jackson Street, you know, further out in the uh, in Philadelphia's mm. sort of suburbs. And he had a beautiful home. And he called my dad and said, hey, listen, we got your letter. We're going to let you invest in the company. Come to the next meeting. And um, you, but you have to bring five hundred dollars, and that will make you a shareholder. Each share of stock was two hundred and fifty dollars. 
So my dad said, okay, thank you. I'll see you at the next meeting. Hung up the phone and thought, where am I going to get the 500 hours? Because he was oh. making about $7,000 a year at the time as a police officer. My mom, ironically, was also a policewoman. So the two of them were doing everything they can to get my sister and, and I through school and pay food <laughs> bills and car payments and mortgages just like everybody else. But, but he showed up at the next meeting. And he was welcomed right away by the guys, and they were very, very nice to him. And little did my dad realize at that time that, you know, that opportunity was going to be basically the opportunity for him to get involved in a very, um, I guess, uh, fruitful investment. Um, before he knew it, he woke up one day. Joe's fighting for the heavyweight championship of the world. Um, he's my dad's 30-some years old. Uh, he then became, during that time, they needed somebody to run the company because I don't think they, I think they did this kind of for the fun of it, but never mm-hmm. realized what was going to happen out of Cloverlight. And um, there became a lot of responsibilities. More and more people invested. I mean, I think at the peak at one time, there was probably over a thousand investors in this, um, or shareholders in this company. Wow. Um, and my dad was one of them. And so my dad was basically running the company. He was a police officer um, and during the day, and um, and so you know they he was you know he woke up one day thirty some years old owns the heavyweight championship of the world with a bunch of other guys and you know just has kind of life by the tail and and uh, and is swinging things around. But one of the things that he learned along the way was about uh, closed circuit TV. Oh right. And that closed circuit TV business at the time was what you would call it at, at that era pay-per-view TV. Right. If, if people wanted to watch a fight, my dad would set up uh, you know, a place like the Spectrum and he'd put a bunch of giant TV screens at, you know, around the building. The projectors would be on the center ice, you know, like right in the middle and firing the live picture from Madison Square Garden or wherever Joe's fight was coming from mm-hmm. on the screen and he was selling tickets for, you know, 15 or 20 dollars. And there's 18,000 people in there rooting for the hometown hero. And, um, and so I always say, my, I, I really believe my dad, in, in a certain way, was one of the pioneers of pay-per-view TV. Um, so they, they said to my dad, listen, you know, you, we want you to be successful in this business, and we love when you do this for Joe's fights, but you need to start your own company and, and, and do this when Joe's not fighting and, and deliver these closed-circuit dollars for you know, the Ali Quarry fight or Ali and Kenny Norton or, you know, uh, whoever was fighting it that was capable of being on closed circuit TV. So rather reluctantly, um, they kind of twisted his arm and they made him start Joe Ham Promotions um, back in 1971, I think it was, when we first opened up. So please tell us more about the role of Joe Ham Promotions in the world of combat sports. Uh, Well, that's a great question. Um, I guess what <clears throat> I realized with our company was, <clears throat> you know, we, we had this business built and, um, you know, we, we had to evolve over the years. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, you know, we always said we wanted to do was we wanted to do more um, events than just boxing. And so we were looking for soccer games and concerts and, you know, we were always looking for new content out there. And then in 2001, um, the, uh, at that time, the Ultimate Fighting Championship was a company that was, I called it, it was like the Titanic. Mm-hmm. It was slowly sinking into oblivion. 
and a guy named Rob Meyerwitz out of New York owned it. Oh, and yeah. um, we were helping them try to sell some of these fights, but the, the, the owners that had it, Rob and the other guys, they were just kind of going to let it drift away. Mm-hmm. And then um, the, the Fertitta family, Lorenzo and Frank, along with Dana White, decided to buy it for $2 million. When they did, um, there was a guy that was involved in their, you know, uh, management team that was friends with us and said, look, I'm working for these guys. They're going to take this thing over and they're really going to change the business. And we need a commercial distributor. We need somebody that's going to, you know, help us build this and put it in bars and restaurants all around the country. Well, it was a perfect timing. I said, look, let's take a chance on it. And, um, and then in, in 2001, uh, the, the same year that the Fertitas bought the company, mm-hmm. um, we we earned the, the distribution contract, and ever since that time, have been distributing UFC to thousands and thousands of bars, you know, all across the United States. What has been your most successful pay per view to date? Uh, the McGregor Mayweather fight by far. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I kind yeah. of figured it was that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It was you know obviously just this past August. And um, uh, I, I have to be honest with you, never experienced anything like that in our lifetime. Um, we just, you know, sold so many bars. There were over 6,000 bars across the country um, that were, you know, buying the fight and broadcasted in their, you know, bars or restaurants or college, um, you know, uh, union centers. And um, we did oil rigs in the Gulf of Mexico, um, <laughs> you know, raceways, uh, any casinos, anybody that was a public viewing location, um, we sold it to. And it was like just not even close um, to being uh, to any of our previous uh, record holders. We just blew everything away. So there's no doubt about it. We just did it. It was the McGregor and Mayweather fight. Oh, Okay. Speaking of uh, McGregor versus Mayweather, um, a lot of news outlets recently reported that approximately 3 million people watched that August fight on pay-per-view via pirated streams. As the president of the largest independent TV distributor of closed-circuit and pay-per-view programming in the world, what are your thoughts on the current state of pay-per-view piracy? Um, Well, I didn't read the article that you that um, that you're referring to mm-hmm. I read another article in Forbes magazine and actually knew some of the companies that gathered the information um, about piracy on the event and the figure that I heard was that there were over 130 million people wow. that pirated the signal um, 3 million I would dispute that and say that's way too low Oh, um, so that's very conservative estimate. <laughs> very, very conservative. Not yeah. even close to what I'm hearing. Wow. Um, I think that, that that piracy is certainly a, um, a, a an issue in our industry that I have to pay close attention to. Um, every event that we do, um, we organize and operate a piracy campaign um, to stop... Uh, the theft of our signal and to identify people that, you know, are, are stealing the signal. Um, it's, it's kind of the price that, you know, the industry is paying for all of the new technology and all of the new ways that people 
are able to receive the signal on your cell phone, on your iPad, on your laptop, on your uh, you know desktop. Um, because there's so many new revenue streams, mm-hmm. it, it's sort of like um, another window or door that opens in your house, and oh. it's creating kind of a draft. Um, what's going to have to happen is 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 that someone's going to have to come up with some technology that is probably going to originate from the distribution side. You know, the people that are putting it out there on streaming and the people that are doing the satellite and cable Mm -hmm. feeds are going to have to come up with some technology that, you know, if people try to do that, then the signal becomes scrambled. Oh. Um, I'm not, I'm not optimistic that there are, that, that there's a solution coming soon, but I do know that that is the type of thing that they absolutely are looking at now and are, are going to have to do. And it, for me as a, as a business owner, um, we, you know, our company or my dad didn't build this business to, for us to get involved in litigation and start suing people for stealing the signal. Right. It's sort of one of those forced things that we have to do. If I don't do it, I'm not protecting the customers that bought it legally, mm-hmm. and I'm really not protecting my business. And it's just going to get, it's going to run rampant, and nobody will end up. Everybody will steal it. Nobody will end up buying. It. Exactly. So, so we have to do something about it. and We have to fight back. It's not something that I enjoy doing. It's not something that you know. Um, like I said, I, I feel as though. Um, uh, we we want to have to do um, to provide revenue for our company. In fact, we really don't get a lot of revenue from it, very honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times the investment that we make through the investigators and attorneys um, and any settlements we get, typically, you know, um, there's, there's very few, you know, positive revenue. We see a lot of times it's just covering the cost of the expense of running the campaign, but it's certainly an issue that we have to be aware of and we can't ignore any longer. Right. Yeah, and it, it really, ultimately, it's hurting the sports that we all love, the MMA and the boxing. That's 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 sad. It, it does hurt the business, and I think there'll be a solution that somebody will come up with that'll, um, you know, curtail it. The, 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 the guys and the thieves that are out there will always find a way, you know, to yeah. get around it, but they got to find a way, you know, to curtail it. I try to look at the glasses half full, and the fact that 130-some million people wanted to see that event tells me that, hey, you know what? We have some stuff that we're selling that people are really interested in. Right, right. So, Joe, you mentioned earlier that Johan Promotions, is it's really a family business. What has it been like for you to grow this family business with your father and sister, Margaret? Well, I... I, I graduated from uh, King's College in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania in 1980. Um, I think graduation was sometime around May, um, and right around that time, um, I had gotten drafted by the Philadelphia 76ers, and oh. I went to rookie camp um, with them for uh, for three days. Um, when when I got cut after three days, which Matt, it wasn't a surprise, <laughs> <laughs> um, when I got cut from the team, my father had had um, had had a recent heart attack and wasn't really feeling well enough to um, run the business. So he invited me to come in and and to do this one event with him before I you know thought about trying to go overseas and play basketball or 
wanted to travel the world or do whatever it was that I wanted to do at that time. And I said, okay. And um, so we did the first event that, you know, I really worked full time. Of course, our family had been in business for a number of years and I knew what we did as a, as a company, but this was really my first full time event. Uh, I got kind of bit by the bug because the first event we did was the first Sugar Ray Leonard Roberto Duran fight. Wow. <laughs> it was really, really successful. Awesome. And um, I had my Aaron Brockovich moment when, after the event, my father came in and he gave me an envelope and I opened it up and there was a check in there. And the check had a number and then a lot of zeros after it. And I was like, <laughs> what is this about? And he goes, that's yours. And I said, why? And he said, well, I told you you could be my partner on the fights and that's your share. Wow. And I went, wow okay this is pretty cool and he said well they're talking about a rematch do you want to do the rematch and i went i think i'll hang around for that but i'm not staying real long i just want to <laughs> you know try to do another fight because this is really pretty cool i could use the money and um so anyhow um i kind of you know tell my dad sometimes like look you know i'm only here part-time i only promised that i would be working fight to fight it just so happens i've been there for 37 years and um <laughs> it's been very blessed um you know, my dad, I'd like to think, has a very good reputation in our industry, and sometimes that's that's kind of hard to do in the boxing business. Right. Um, but I've realized as I've gotten older and a lot wiser that, you know, when I call somebody at HBO and, you know, I'm trying to talk to one of the bosses or somebody at DirecTV, you know, and they go, well, who's calling? And I go, Joe Han, and they go, well, you don't sound like Joe Han. I go, well, this is Joe Han's son. Ah, okay. Well, hold on for a second. You know, Mr. HBO or Mr. DirecTV will be right with you. Um, I realize how lucky I am to have had my dad kind of cut the path for me and, and lead the way. And listen, he's 81 years old, and every day he comes in with my sister and I and comes to work. And, and uh, you know, he is far from, uh, you know, just passing time there. He's very, very involved. He's uh, saved my sister and I thousands of times from making you know some probably pretty dumb mistakes um, mm. with his experience and and so I'm very very fortunate and um, it, you know it's because of him that you know 30 people at our company have careers today you know he took a lot of risk in those early years and and took every penny and every dime he had and put it all on the line to buy the rights for a fight not knowing if he was going to get his investment back and some nights he did but a lot more nights he did, and um, you know he was able to grow the business into what you know what it is today um, by you know guiding Margaret and I and giving us advice to do that. That's awesome, Joe. Uh, your family, your family's also done a lot of great things for the city of Philadelphia, including the opening of the Johan Boxing Gym and Computer Lab in Philly in 1995. Uh, what inspired your father and, and your family to open up this gym? Well, you know, I think early in the conversation, I might have mentioned that my parents were both police officers in the city of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that they realized, you know, in their careers were that, um, you know, when you get into certain neighborhoods um, where there might not be um, as many privileged people as you might meet in other suburban, you know, well-to-do neighborhoods, you know, community organizations and and, uh, and, and outlets and, and, and things like that that offer a safe haven for kids is really important. And I think it just at some point, 
you know, we, as a family started thinking, you know what, we've been really lucky in this business and we got to kind of find a way to try to give back here. Um, my dad's got a famous saying and he said, you just can't be a taker in life. You've got to be a giver too. Hmm. And, um, and so, you know, he had this idea about opening up the gym and, uh, you know, my sister and I were like, well, we can put a computer lab in there because these, these young people that are in the neighborhoods that we're going in, a lot of them, you know, don't have, uh, you know, computers at home or don't have access to them. And, and, you know, they're falling behind in life if they don't, you know, get the you know, opportunity to, you know, find out how you go on Google and search for things. Right, and, right. You, know, you, <laughs> you, you, you really do, when you're fortunate, like, like, like our family has been, you take a lot of that stuff for granted. Mm-hmm. And when you see some, some young people that don't have it, um, and you give them the opportunity. It's a tremendously uh, rewarding, uh, you know, experience. And I think if you're lucky in life to get involved in some things where um, you can give back, um, a lot of times I think you will find out that you know you feel like, or it appears you're doing something to help people, um, you know, that might be less fortunate. Uh, but when you feel like you can do that, and then it, it you get you really get more back than what you're given, then, you know, you've been really blessed. And I, and I think that's what we feel happens with the gym. We, we really do try to, you know, make it a safe place for the kids. They can come in, they can develop their bodies if they want through the boxing. We never care if anybody ever gets in the ring and ever box one round. That's not what we're about. We want them to come in and, you know, have a safe place to play and work out. And if we can, help their minds, you know, through the computer lab educationally, then, um, you know, everything's twice as good as, you know, we set out to, you know, accomplish. So, um, that's sort of the story and why we got involved in the gym. Oh, okay. That's great. Yeah. I, I haven't, I've, I've seen the building, I've seen the location of the gym, um, but I haven't had the pleasure to come by and visit, but everything I've heard from the Philadelphia boxing community about the gym has just been outstanding. And, and it, the community outreach and the programs it offers are just top notch. So that's a wonderful thing that you and your family do for the, for the community. Well, I, I appreciate that. I got a quick story to tell you. Sure. How I think our, our gym um, is viewed. Um, I guess they were starting to make plans to start filming in the Philly area for the, uh, for the Creed movie. Oh, yeah. So we were pretty excited about it. You know, we, we, we would like to get the recognition, get some of our, you know, staff or fighters or, you know, members in the, in the movie and let them use our gym. And, and so um, we had some friends that are in the movie business and they're like, yeah, they're going to come over and take a look at your gym because, you know, they, they know the name. It's been, you know, kind of a popular place. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. They, they come over and they scout the place out and they said, we'll get back to you in a couple of days. I don't know, Matt, I guess like a week goes by, 10 days, and I don't hear anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, I don't know, maybe they're still making it. Let me call them. So I call the guys up, and they're like, listen, we got to tell you something. You have the nicest gym like that we've ever <laughs> been in. We just love it. And I said, well, thanks. What do you think? And they go, we can't use it. I'm oh. Like, oh. And I go, how come? And they go, it's too nice. <laughs> I go, what do you mean? They go, we're looking for something that's a little bit more like, like that it doesn't feel like a real gym like in a way like it's spotless and everything is really nice in there and we're looking for something a little bit more like rugged i guess whatever the word is (laughs) and i'm like all right well thanks a lot good luck if you need anything let us know 
and I think they called me for a couple boxing gloves one time, but we didn't we didn't make the cut for uh, for the Creed movie. So, but I took it you know as a compliment that we really run a nice gym and it's a it's a nice facility. So hopefully we're doing the right things and we'll try to continue to do that as long as our family's around. Yeah, and I guess there's always a chance for uh, Creed too. Maybe they'll stop by and utilize the gym. Yeah, and and I actually just saw. Um, there was an, uh, a notice in a paper or something today, a little tidbit saying that um, uh, they're thinking about a second movie now. So Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. <laughs> so speaking of the jam, who are some of the popular fighters who have utilized your facilities over the years? Um, well, I, I guess as far as fighters, um, you know, we've, we, we've had Mike Tyson there and... Um, Oscar De La Hoyas worked out there. Bernard, you know, he it's it's him and my dad are almost partners on the gym to a certain extent. He uses the gym all the time. He mm-hmm. does it for taping for some of his HBO things, and um, you know, uh, he's been he's trained there. Uh, Jesse Hart has has his training at our gym. Oh yeah. Um, you know, over the years we've had a lot of good fighters. You can't, I'm sure. Uh, remember them all, and I'm probably um, I'm probably hurting somebody's feelings, and I'm not remembering <laughs> them. But, but I also remember, you know, that we've had a lot of like, um, you know, celebrities come in and, and uh, sports personalities. Oh. Some guys from the Phillies, Chase Utley, came in, and he was working out when he was playing for the Phillies. Cool. Um, we had um, what was the actor Cuba Gooden Jr. Um, when he was training for a movie, he came in. Usher was training to be uh, Sugar Ray Leonard in that. In that recent movie, I forget the title. Oh, Hands of Stone. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and those guys, you know, would come in, and, and even a lot of Philadelphia celebrities come in, and and um, I think in it, you know, I think what ends up happening is boxing is a great workout, mm-hmm. and you don't have to get in the ring and get your nose busted to say, hey, you know, I'm boxing. You know, as long as you come in and you know, one of our trainers puts you through some of the routines, you're going to leave there going, wow, I don't know if I had more of a total workout of my life than what I just got through there so um, I guess those are some of the famous people that have you know kind of come through the doors that's for sure very cool very cool so Joe you and your family have been involved in the Philadelphia boxing scene for many years I have to ask you what are your thoughts on the current state of boxing in Philadelphia (laughs) well um, to be honest with you I think it's pretty active right now Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of fights going on. Yeah. Um, you know, there's fights at the Sugar House, 2300 Arena, of course, um, down in Chester. You know, I still think of Atlantic City as kind of a Philly area. There's some fights down there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Parks is thinking about starting to do fights next year. Um, they do the fights out at the Valley Forge Casino. Um, listen, I think that the boxing scene in Philly is as active as any of them in the whole country right now. Oh, okay. Um, there's a lot of activity. Uh, it's funny, but I've always had the opinion that I'm not so sure that Philly is as great a boxing town as as people sort of made it out to be. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, I think that the Philly is a great place when they were doing fights at the Blue Horizon and you can get 2,000 people, 1,500 people in there and, you know, that was a pretty good crowd. Right. The last time they did fights at, like, the Wells Fargo or, you know, going back to, like, uh, the Spectrum or, or, or the Leah Chorus Center, 
I mean, Bernard Hopkins and Danny Garcia have, you know, fought at the Lee Accord Center. And honestly, they've had a hard time getting more than three or 4,000 people in the building. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and, and so um, it always kind of amazed me a little bit when they would say that Philly's such a boxing town. What I think they really mean is Philly's such a boxing town because it's put out some really great fighters. Right. And it and and although there's a there's a, a, a pretty decent core base of, of fight fans here, I don't think it's as big a fight fan town as it is a fight fighter town. And that's what I've kind of always you know felt. The Joe Frazier's, the Bernard Hopkins, the the, the Matthew Saad Muhammad's, the Jeff Chandler's. I mean, the list goes on and on of just great fighters that have you know Joey Giardella. You know that have come from this area um it's amazing and i think that's re- really what they mean and when you know you're a fighter from philly and you come from philly you're usually not a a, a flashy fighter you're mm-hmm. usually a blue collar tough guy you know that 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 is really good at your craft and um and i think that's what makes the the, the philadelphia so special as quote a boxing town oh okay so, Joe, we talked a lot about some of the Philadelphia boxing legends like Joe Frazier and, and some of the other names like Joey Giardello and, and so on and so forth. Do you have any current favorite fighters, whether it be in boxing or MMA, um, whether it's in Philadelphia or outside the city? And these are fighters that are fighting right now? Yeah, any current fighters? Well, I got I probably um, prejudiced towards the guys that are training at my gym like heavyweight Amir Mansoor. Oh, yeah. Um jesse hart Mm -hmm. um you know guys like that that you know that are in my gym you know training all the time and i see them and you know i can appreciate just how hard those guys work and you know are looking for you know the next opportunity to you know kind of be successful i know jesse lost a tough fight a couple weeks ago but yeah you know he's gonna learn from that and he's gonna bounce back and he's gonna get better from it and you know, I think he wanted to one day be a world champion that was uh, undefeated. Um, that's not going to happen now. Mm-hmm. But I still think he can be a world champion. I still think Amir could be a world champion. Um, I think those guys just have to stay in the gym, keep working hard, and an opportunity is going to come their way. So, you know, I'm a little prejudiced towards the guys from my gym, and those are the guys I would tell you right now that, you know, are kind of my favorites. Yeah, and those are two excellent, very talented fighters, and I think both of them – both of them have a great opportunity to uh, win a championship at some point in their careers, definitely. I agree. Yeah. How can my listeners learn more about Johan Promotions? Um, if you go to the, our website, um, johanpromotions.com, mm-hmm. um, you can pretty much find out anything you want about our organization, <laughs> our staff, our history, our current uh, you know events that are going on, the news. You'll see things on there about you know our boxing events. You'll see things on there about you know, our, our, uh, UFC partnership. Um, so, you know, if anybody wants to go to johanpromotions.com, that's really the easiest way to, you know, contact us, um, or to find out what's happening, you know, with us, uh, currently. Great, Joe. I'll make sure to share the link, uh, to your website in the notes section with this podcast episode as well. That's great, Matt. Thank you. Sure. Is there anything else you'd like to say to my listeners? podcast and speaking to you and i always enjoy talking about our business i 
I just want to say thanks very much to you for, for having me on as a guest and for anybody out there that's listening, thanks for uh, being supporters of Joe Ham Promotions uh, you know, over all these years. We're creeping up on our 50th anniversary in a few years, and you know, we're really proud that uh, you know, we're able to continue to be involved in, in the fight business, whether that's MMA or, or, uh, you know, or boxing. And um, you know, we're getting bigger and better all the time, but uh, if it wasn't for the fans, we wouldn't be where we are. So thanks very much to everybody listening. Joe, thank you very much for speaking with me this evening. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, Matt. Enjoyed talking to you. Have a great night. Thank you. You too. Bye. Thank you very much for tuning in to the first episode of the second season of the Weigh In Podcast. Special thanks to my guest, Joe Han Jr., and you, the listeners. Please check out the Weigh In Boxing Blog and Podcast on both Facebook and and on our website, www.thewayinpodcast.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Ward, and this is The Way In.